0: Here's a Lasalle hearse. Um, oh, there's a casket in there. Yeah, this is like a a hearse for a mayor or a gangster. Sometimes <laughs> they were the same people. And you're actually, <laughs> and I've I've actually reserved this for myself. This is I don't have the date picked out, of course. But, <laughs> you're going
1: to be in there
0: one day. Uh someday it'll be my final ride. Did you say what year? 1937. It it smells like 1937. Oh,
1: yes. (laughs) Can we get a picture in here, Peter? Is it okay to sit in this? Sure.
2: That was Terry Hamburg, director of the Cypress Lawn Heritage Foundation, showing us a 1930s LaSalle hearse at the Cypress Lawn Cemetery in Colma, This episode is not what I expected, Heather. How did we meet Terry?
1: Well, we decided a few weeks ago we wanted a special Halloween episode and no better place to record that than a cemetery. So I started Googling around and um, was trying to find someone at the cemetery who could give us a tour, and Terry's name popped up, left him a message. He called back immediately, (laughs) was like, yeah, I do this all the time. Um, would be happy to do it for you. So we did it, and he was super fun and knowledgeable, and um, it was a good day.
2: Yeah, so much fun. I I think our intention was to get some ghost stories, but it went in a different, better direction, including the violent history of editors of the Chronicle.
1: Yes, there are so many famous people there, including a number of people related to our newspaper. Um, You want to hear a list of some others? I would love to. Okay, is Zora Armstead, a singer from the Weather Girls, Raining Men, don't you like that song?
2: Definitely, hallelujah, <laughs> <laughs> it's Raining Men.
1: A lot of politicians, including the late Mayor Ed Lee, um, Samuel Burris, who was a conductor on the Underground Railroad, Eddie Fisher, the actor, Andrew Halliday. we love him because he created the cable cars, our favorite transportation, the late Mayor Ed Lee, who is obviously a recent addition, RIP Mayor Lee, James Vaness, another mayor, Lefty O'Doul, Betty Ong, who was killed in the September 11th attack. She was a flight attendant. So yeah, a lot of um, important people in Bay Area history.
2: Yeah, I was surprised. I mean, it just seemed around every corner there was someone new. There's a lot of them in this episode. Semi-spooky cemetery talk coming up with Terry Hamburg, who we should note is also the author of Quotable San Francisco, Historic Moments and Memorable Words. Um, we found that out at the end of the tour.
1: Yes, and he quoted you because apparently you're very quotable. I'm not in there, so I guess I'm not that quotable.
2: This is going to cause a rift. (laughs) Uh, It's a very Total SF book. We recommend you check it out. I'm Peter Hartlob here with Heather Knight, and this is Total SF.
1: Thank you very much.
2: So we meet Terry, and I was in this mode like, should I wear black? Do I have to be somber the whole time? But Terry's in a good mood. Uh, he'd be a good San Francisco tour bus guide.
1: Yeah, he's super friendly. He knows like everything that ever happened in the Bay Area, and he was um, totally up for driving us around. I think he wanted to spend more time with us, actually, but eventually we had to say, this is enough tombstones. We <laughs> yeah. need to get back to work.
2: I wanted more. I just had more work to do. Um, We got to see the 1939 hearse, get a couple photos in the front, and then we're off in one of the Cypress Lawn's Cadillacs for a tour, and the tour was kind of broken up like Disneyland. There's super old Disneyland with like the Matterhorn and submarines, and there's also kind of like the California Adventure Cemetery with the newer stuff. Um, We also got a lot of history of Colma and San Francisco, which I found really interesting.
1: Yeah, so um, San Francisco basically decided it wasn't going to hold buried people anymore and move them all to Colma. And now that is known for um, having 17 cemeteries. And according to Terry, two and a half million people buried there, which is about 1,500 times more than people who are living in Colma. So definitely the dead are winning out.
2: And we heard all about the bodies moved from the Laurel Hill Cemetery from 1937 to 1948. The cemetery was relocated from San Francisco to Colma. So if you live in the inner Richmond or Laurel Heights, there's a chance you have a poltergeist situation on your hands. We got all these stories, getting out of the cemetery caddy occasionally, and Jerry started us off with two great offbeat stories, including a decapitation and a hell's
0: angel tale. But a man named Phineas Gage is here. And actually, his body is here, but not his head. What happened is he, he, was, um, he was a munitions expert. And one day, uh, something blew up, 1849, and a steel bar about three and a half feet um, flew in the air and came up through his throat, through his eye, and up to through his head. So he was standing there with a steel bar like that. And he actually survived. And uh, the doctor uh, who removed it said that uh, he was in, you know, remarkably good condition considering what happened. And he became uh, uh, very well known uh, as the man who survived uh, what would be a deadly accident for anyone else. And he went on a tour actually uh, kind of displaying himself. He was a very handsome, strapping guy. Of course, he had one eye missing and he kept the bar and would take photos with the bar and people would come up and you know, talk to him. And when he died, uh, Dr. Harlow from Harvard requested that, that the head be brought to Harvard. The head was brought to Harvard, it's there to this day, but we have the body and we'd like to get the head. Uh, at least on loan or something but uh, what would you do with the head we would display it we have out here uh harry harry F- uh, uh who was um a hell's angel we have a little hell's angel section please tell me he was buried with his bike and i know i'm cutting you off no he was but there's some misunderstanding about this he wasn't buried on his bike it's a double depth grave and uh so he went below And then about three months later, uh, his bike, his Harley, was put on top. In 1977, he was dispatched by assassins, and we don't know who. Uh, But it was an uh, an execution-style murder. And 150 Hells Angels came out on bikes and buried him here. But that was nothing compared to... uh, Let me see, I have his name here. Papa, Papa John... Gardado, I think is how you pronounce it. And he was murdered in 2008 by the Mongols. And the Mongols had a long war with the Hells Angels. And he was buried out here. His bike wasn't buried with him, but 2,000 Hells Angels and others came out here. And they started in the Mission District, and they tailed around, down 280. And they came out here, and they had a, an enormous ceremony. But he was just
2: warming up. We moved over from the modern section of Cypress Lawn to the older section. Help me describe this, Heather.
1: Well, we had to take our Cadillac across El Camino Real and then wait as like a million geese and seagulls and ducks just stood in our way. But we finally got through. There's a pond there that they love, which is, I guess, why (laughs) they hang out there. Um, And then we saw so many old mausoleums um, and, tombstones, and we saw the one of the co-founders of our paper, Charles DeYoung, has a giant statue. Um, Lily Hitchcock Coit is there, um, Coit Tower fame. So a lot of, um, of famous people are buried in that section.
2: Yeah, we're driving along, passing mausoleum after mausoleum. And I remember when we came across Charles de Young, it was kind of like that scene in Jurassic Park where they see the dinosaurs for the first time and everybody jumps out of the car and wants to, like, get up close. That was us um, getting near the giant tombstone, statue-like tombstone of the co-founder of the esteemed paper we write for, The Chronicle, who died in very dramatic fashion.
0: So here is uh, Charles DeYoung. Oh,
2: can we get out for the DeYoung? Sure, movie? Charles DeYoung. Yes.
0: Charles DeYoung, the former Chronicle owner. Chronicle owner. Uh, DeYoung was a crusading editor with the Chronicle. And uh, journalism in those days in San Francisco was a kind of a blood sport. Uh, some years later, Charles DeYoung uh, is in that tradition of writing. And um, he doesn't like a Reverend Isaac Kalok, who is running for mayor. And he and Kalok get into this really kind of vicious spitting match, where Kalok will get on the podium and say something, and DeYoung will come back with something else. So one day he calls Kalok an adulterer, and Kalok says before his congregation. It is true. When I was a young man, I had one affair. But it's not true after that. And look who's talking. And he said, a bastard, and he meant bastard literally. And his mother is a whoremonger, which means that she runs a brothel. Well, the young, you can you can attack me, but don't attack my mother. So he decided um, to get Kalok. Literally, he hired a coach. He knew where Kalok was staying. He he told gave a a young lad a little piece of gold and said, "Go tell Mr. Kaylock to come to the coach to meet a young lady." That always seemed to work for for Kaylock. And when uh, Kaylock came to the coach, the young opened the door and fired two shots into Kaylock, point blank. Kaylock weighed about 350 pounds, so I I think that the the, his uh, his weight uh, protected his heart. And he actually managed to survive and went on and became mayor. All right, so Charles DeYoung is in trouble. Um, uh, he's an important person. Uh, the prosecutors are a little bit slow in getting to him. He's out on bail awaiting his uh, his fate. Isaac Kalak's son decides that he is going to get DeYoung. And he does. He sits across from the Chronicle offices, drinking liquid courage, walks into the office and fires three shots and kills DL. So there's a huge public funeral, especially after assassinations, huge public funerals. And of course, he has to be tried. k has the smoking gun in his hand, but he is acquitted because of temporary insanity.
2: We'll be right back after this short break. Next, we got to the Hearst Mausoleum, which is basically unmarked, no names on it. Heather, I thought it looked kind of like a little bank.
1: Yeah, it looked like where the dad and Mary Poppins goes to work, but in miniature. And it has really weird stairs. They're, they were purposefully designed so that you can't really walk up them and you feel like you're going to fall over. We didn't try um, to do it, but I kind of wish we had.
2: A lot of the mausoleums are really welcoming. This was not as welcoming. Um, we kept our distance a little bit. Terry tells us the story. <sighs>
0: So here is the second most pers- famous person buried here. William Randolph First.
1: Oh, wow. So should we get out for yeah.
0: First?
1: sure? Yeah. He's our new owner.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so there's a few things about uh, this mausoleum that are different than any other mausoleum here. Uh, first of all, there's no name. And there's one or two others here that don't have a name, but this was the first one not to have a name and remains one of the the few. And I can't really give you an explanation, but there's an urban legend that I can put to rest. The legend is that when Patty Hearst was kidnapped by the SLA, there was so much attention that the Hearst family decided to remove the name. That's not true. So uh, the entire Hearst family is in there Uh, The last funeral here was Randolph Hearst about 15 years ago. Uh, Patty will be here. Um, The other interesting thing is most of the mausoleums have actual steps leading up, and the steps are built so someone can drift up. These are not steps. These are anti-steps. And if you try to walk up them, you'll see that you have to step in a way that's uncomfortable. So they're not inviting you. To come up. So I said he's the second most famous, and uh, about four years ago, Willie McCovey was buried here. So uh, I regard him now as the most famous. you see his spot? Yeah, we can go over there. Okay. If you were to go to 10 people in San Francisco and say, Who is William Randolph first? I think six or seven would, could identify you. Yeah. You say, Who's Willie McCovey? it would be 10 out of 10
2: well we uh we appreciate them both uh, <laughs> willie mccovey's name is not on our paychecks but, <laughs> but.
0: Right. it's a very handsome
2: mausoleum it's a beautiful mausoleum it's a mausoleum worthy of our newspaper chain <laughs> thank you how did this tour make you feel about your future burial plans heather are you s- <laughs> are you saving for a mausoleum now
1: I am not. Terry told us that the fanciest ones can run $4 million. <laughs> I don't have that for a house, let alone for a home to be buried in. Um, and he's like, well, if you really scale down and go the cheap route, it can, you can get away with $1 million. So um, I don't really think that's going to happen. I think I'm probably going to go the scatter the ashes route.
2: Yeah, that was my old plan, but I really like these mausoleums. So I came home and I told my kids, sorry about college, but <laughs> I really want a mausoleum when I die. So, um, and they took it well. No, I, I'm totally kidding. I, I was like, wow, that is so expensive. I think I will be someone who visits mausoleums. Uh, you can scatter my ashes over uh, Red's Java House or Beep's Burgers, hopefully when no <laughs> one's eating.
1: That would be kind of gross.
2: Yeah. Well, we'll finish the Hearst slash Chronicle History with Terry's story of Adolf Spreckles and Michael DeYoung, a story of romance, sensational journalism, and more gunfire.
0: Claus Spreckles was the sugar king of, uh, of the world. Claus Spreckles had a son, Adolf, and Adolf um, married a young lady named Amma de Brettville. And she was um, a pretty wild thing in her early days. She was six feet tall, absolutely gorgeous, and was a risque model, as they called it back then. And she was the model. If you go to Union Square and the the, uh, Admiral Dewey Monument in the center of Union Square, you'll see a lady on top, Liberty. That's Alma. She posed for that. So Adolf fell madly in love with her. Uh, he was maybe 25 years older, but that didn't stop him. The The problem was she was not from high society. She was just a, an average gal, and she was always resented in high society. But Alma was an art collector, and very serious art collector. She became a, a connoisseur, and people would come to her for advice, and she loved French art, she loved Rodin, uh, and she finally collected so much stuff, they didn't know what to do with it. And she said, Adolf, Why don't we build our own museum? You know, those de Youngs, you're always complaining that the de Youngs are doing more philanthropic work than us. This is our chance to do something. And so that is the origin of the Legion of Honor. So Michael de Young, who took over from his his brother, uh, carried on the tradition of hard-hitting journalism and he decided to go after Klaus Breckles. And he did a series of articles about his plantations uh, in Hawaii, he said, uh, it's all run by slave labor. They are uh, bilking, their investors, and it was some pretty nasty stuff. So Adolph said, that's the end of it. He walks into uh, Michael DeYoung's office, pulls out a gun, and shoots him three times. The first shot wings him in the elbow, second shot gets him in the shoulder, and the third shot actually enters in front of his heart. But it so happens that at that moment, Michael had a bunch of children's books that he was clutching like this. And the bullet went through the children's books and didn't penetrate that far. So he fell down. Employees rushed in, they saw Adolf like this, they shot Adolf. And when all the gun smoke settled, no one was dead. So Michael went on, but Adolf, of course, has to be tried. And he was acquitted. Temporary insanity. That
2: seems to be a theme here.
0: It's, it's a theme. Shoot and temporary insanity. There's another theme here. Uh, support your local independent
2: bookstore. <laughs> Buy a bunch of children's books. It may save your life someday. Yes, yes. And then we finished with baseball and Lefty O'Doul. This was the most serious Terry got on the tour. Um, I knew the name Lefty O'Doul. It's on a bar, it's on a bridge. I knew he was a manager and baseball player and beloved, but I didn't know about the controversy involving him not being in the Hall of Fame.
1: Yes, I think I've never heard the words incredible injustice uttered in one conversation as many times as (laughs) Terry used to describe the fact that Lefty O'Doul is not in the Hall of Fame.
2: I am on the lefty O'Duel crusade because the numbers, the statistics are right there on the tombstone. Uh, we'll, we'll cut to Terry here and let him describe it. But not in the Hall of Fame. Not in the Hall no, of Fame.
0: It's, it's an incredible injustice. It hurts me to be here and look at that. Well, I, I feel like
2: we need to do something about it. <laughs> Is
0: it too late? No, you, they, they can always give him an honorary status.
2: I'm, I'm having a Field of Dreams moment. like. <laughs> <laughs> Ease his pain.
0: <laughs> Ease his pain. Well, if
1: the Hall of Fame is listening, Total SF supports Lefty O'Doul. Yeah,
2: yep. You
0: could you could start a campaign. Yeah.
2: I I just it feels like the beginning of a journey
0: right
2: now. <laughs> so we finished the tour on hallowed ground, the final resting place of Willie McCovey, one of the greatest celebrities and just brightest lights in San
0: Francisco history. So when when he was buried, they. um they didn't want the family said please don't tell anyone um that he's being buried today or we'll have crowds of people so it was very hush hush there were about a hundred people um uh all of our uh we had our we we provided pallbearers and they were all dressed up in giants uniforms and uh I, i i was one of the ones that could attend and um and i was waiting to see some big stars and limousine pulls up and out steps Barry Bonds and then he puts his hand in helps out Willie Mays so here you have McCovey passed Bonds and Mays together and for a baseball fan it's like my god (laughs) and uh, they were gonna have a big party for him a candlestick afterwards so that's where everyone was I I was looking for you know Kuyper and Kruk and I got bonds. And, That's not bad. Well, no, in Mays. And uh, McCovey and and, and, uh, and Mays were actually close friends. And uh, we have a spot right here that would be perfect for Willie Mays. Do people, I, I mean, I
2: see flowers here.
0: Do people come here? To yes. Do see people here? Yes. More here than probably any other single grave. Most people don't even know he's here. They knew he were here. Uh, there'd be more.
2: I've never visited a cemetery before. I've been to a cemetery, but I've never visited one sort of as tourism. I never had a full goth phase. But after doing this, I would definitely come back. My blood pressure went down. I learned a lot. I felt a lot more connected with the community. I'm really glad we went.
1: Me too. I've been to Arlington Cemetery with my family as a kid in um, near D.C., where it's very fancy and somber and so many presidents are buried, but this seemed um, fittingly for the Bay Area, a bit more quirky, a bit more of a variety of people, and um, Terry actually said a lot of people go to walk their dogs, go running, go explore with their kids. It's kind of like a park slash historical site.
2: And there's so much we're not mentioning. Steve Silver, Beach Blanket Babylon, has a really interesting burial place. Uh, The Mausoleum of Lily Coit Hitchcock. We could do an entire episode on that. It has a fire helmet and fire equipment inside. Um, She gave one-third of her fortune for the beautification of the city. And just being with Terry, I learned so much. He's such a great guy.
1: Yes, I'm super glad we did it. So, um... Happy Halloween, Peter.
2: Happy Halloween, Heather. I want to go back. I think we should get back. Maybe this could be an annual thing. There's so much that we missed. Um, and just knowing that we're always welcome at the Cypress Hill Cemetery on Halloween or any other day, uh, that was just a super fun day. It was. Thank you for listening to the San Francisco Chronicle. Total SF is a production of the Chronicle. Our music is The Tide Will Rise by the Sunset Shipwrecks off their album Community and Cable Car Bell Ringing by eight-time champion Byron Cobb. Support Total SF in the newsroom that creates it by investing in a digital Chronicle edition. It's less expensive than you think at sfchronicle.com pod. Harry Hamburg, director of the Cypress Lawn Heritage Foundation, showing us a 1930s LaSalle Hearst at the Cypress Lawn Cemetery. Hearst. No, no, T. Hearst. I said Hearst, didn't I?
1: You said Hearst like our company. Oh, I
2: think you're wrong. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Three, two. Is a, uh Freudian or something. I don't know. Three, <laughs> two. That was Terry Hamburg, director of the Cypress Lawn.